Servus and greetings from Vienna. My name is Anita Posch. Thank you for listening to Bitcoin und Co., my podcast that's introducing the philosophy, ideas and people behind Bitcoin. Don't miss the upcoming interviews and subscribe to the show in your podcast player now. Before we start, I want to thank my sponsors. Without their support, this podcast would simply not be possible. And they have great products and services too. So please listen to their messages and afterwards enjoy. I approached Shift Crypto Security because I feel like we care about the same things. My absolute belief is in independence. This is a value that drives all of Shift's products too. We both believe that everybody should be the holder of their own keys. And a well-built hardware wallet is the safest way to hold your coins. So when Shift announced the Bitbox O2, we made it happen. The Bitbox O2 is Swiss-made, secure and easy to use. It has invisible touch sensors and USB-C. And it also comes as a Bitcoin-only edition. That's something I believe in too. So I encourage you to check it out at shiftcrypto.ch. That's shift, C-R-I-P-T-O dot C-H. And you can get free shipping with the code ANITA. The Bitbox O2 by Shift Crypto Security. Paying with cryptocurrencies in everyday life and that with any wallet? Salamantex makes it possible now. Cheap, fast and easy at the checkout or online. All Salamantex merchants and further information about the Salamantex digital payment system can be found at www.salamantex.com forward slash customers. That's www.salamantex.com forward slash customers. So hello, I have a special guest. Jimmy Song is here. Hi. Hi, how's everything going? Everything's fine. Thanks for doing this interview on such a short notice. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always fun, uh, you know, talking about Bitcoin. So I, I can't really resist not, <laughs> not to <laughs> not do it. it yeah. yeah, great. I like that. So um, you're, I mean, I know you mostly because you have written the book Programming Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about you? Um, you're a Bitcoin core contributor also. So mm-hmm. where do you come from? What did you do before? When did you realize or hear about Bitcoin the first time? Okay, so my life story. Now, um, <laughs> I, I graduated from Michigan with a, a, an undergrad degree in math. And I've, I've always sort of been a math nerd uh, through high school and college. Um, I went to a startup Uh, right after college from some uh, from a high school friend that was doing a startup at the time this was 1998 when i graduated so if you remember that was like the peak of the dot dot com boom and yeah, he he was starting a company he had just graduated from harvard so we i i joined him in in his at his company i think i was employee number six um, and I, 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 I programmed, uh, for that company for a few years and I've been in that startup scene for a long time. Um, 
uh, ever since, basically. Uh, so I, I did many other companies. I was in Boston, but basically I was almost always a coder, uh, a programmer. Um, about uh, seven years ago, um, my wife and I decided to move down to Austin. And, um, you know, there was a company willing to pay relocation expenses, so we did. <coughs> Sounds good. <coughs> 2013, uh, Bitcoin price started to go up, and um, and I had already been involved in Bitcoin at least a little bit since 2011, and I started doing more coding for Bitcoin in 2013, and towards the end of 2013, um, you know, I was uh, I was contributing to an open source project out of the Ukraine. Actually, um, it was um, something called Color Coins. And it was a guy in the Ukraine that was basically um, paying people in Bitcoin to contribute to his open source project. So, of course, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And um, and it turned out that there were multiple people that uh, that tried to contribute to it. Uh, but I was, like, by far the most productive uh, just because I was, like, putting so much time into it. So. I was uh I was working 40 hours during the day and then I would come home and like have another 40 hours in the evening like doing this open source project. Um and I was getting paid in Bitcoin. So like to this day that's like some of the best money I've ever made, right? On a per <laughs> per hour basis. So I I did that uh and that that's how I really got my uh my feet wet in Bitcoin development is is that first open source project. Um, the next year, I, I started contributing to BTCD, uh, which is a Golang version uh, client for Bitcoin. Um, and I, I learned a ton of stuff through that. I contributed uh, to some other stuff. And then I got in, um, I started working for Armory. Uh, it's a Bitcoin wallet. Um, became VP of engineering there. But, uh, you know, I, I know that code base pretty well. It was in Python and everything. Um, after that, uh, we ran out of money, so I ended up going to Paxos, and that that was where I started doing some blogging and writing, uh, which, to my surprise, like uh, got me um, a lot more followers on Twitter and everything, uh, and. Uh, I think it was like in the summer of 2017 that I decided that I wanted to go off on my own and try my own thing. And I started uh, teaching these classes. Um, you know, later on that year, I got a contract at O'Reilly to write programming Bitcoin, started getting uh, conference gigs, um, you know, speaking. Um, you know, I, I started being asked to advise companies. Um, I, I got some consulting work, uh, like, you know, like reading papers and uh, offering opinions and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's been kind of a wild ride the last few years. <laughs> so actually you started doing it while coding. Yeah. Did you then read about it and inform yourself about economics and stuff? Or Yeah, I mean, I've always been interested in economics, uh, but I think 2008 was when I really woke up. And I, I still remember just reading about how they had put 800 million dollar or billion dollars into the banking system and we're like okay they didn't collect any taxes what's going on like how did what where did this money come from 
And uh, and learning more about that like led me down sort of the libertarian Austrian economics rabbit hole. And uh, you know, I mean, since coming into Bitcoin, I've, I've I've certainly read a lot more about that, especially like Rothbard, Hazlitt, and Hayek, and um, uh, Mises, and uh, you know, all, all the Austrian economics classics. Uh, but you know, I mean, just uh, watching Bitcoin work is is probably one of the best educations you can get in economics because it's like, okay, it's really hard money and it's so much better than the dollar, and you can see it in the demand and price. So it, it's uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Bitcoin itself is an education <laughs> in addition to all the other stuff that I've been reading. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, did you wear your hat before you go went to Texas? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I, in fact, I didn't start wearing it until I think it was like October of 2017. So it was even after I started being involved in uh, like more publicly in Bitcoin. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I was like, I, I've worn these boots since I've been in Texas and, uh, <laughs> I, I love, uh, cowboy boots. They're like the most comfortable thing and you can wear them with almost anything other than shorts. If you're wearing <laughs> shorts and cowboy boots as a man, you just look stupid. Uh, but you know, women can pull it off, but you know, men can't. Uh, so pretty much it goes with anything, right? Like mm -hmm. you can, you can wear it casually, you can wear it formally, whatever. Uh, so I, I, I'd love the boots, but people like when I go to conferences, they would still ask, Hey, where, where, where are you from? So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try the hat. And I, I tried the hat. And it kind of has become my signature, and I now have like multiple reasons why I wear the hat. But uh, yeah, that that's how it came about. Mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting story. So uh, I've heard from Austin, Texas, because mm -hmm. uh, Tim Ferriss lives there. Do you know Tim Ferriss? I know who he is. I I don't know him personally. I, he he has a great podcast, and uh -huh. he is the author of the Four Hour Workweek, yeah, the book. Yeah, and the Titans Tools. Of yeah, Titans yeah, exactly. And, and multiple other books. Yeah, I, I I've read I think all of his books. He, yeah, he's a very good. Um, and he's talking about Austin that he went there because it's so uh, a great city to to live. Yeah. Oh, it's. Uh, I mean, cost of living, at least when we moved there, was <laughs> relatively low. It's getting higher now, but it's still way better than San Francisco, New York, Boston, LA. You know, like the uh, the other maybe big metropolises. Uh, it's also you know in no state income tax. That's that's a big, ah, okay. big part. <laughs> Uh, you know, you get fairly high speed internet. There's, uh, you know, a lot of, there's a startup culture. So, uh, you know, it, it, for technical people, it's, it strikes the right balance between, or at, at least this is the calculation I made when, when we were looking for cities to move to. It's, uh, it's a very good ratio of income you can make versus the cost that, uh, that, that are there for a technical person. Mm. Um, what's the difference? In between your programming Bitcoin and mastering Bitcoin. Yeah, the main difference is that Andreas's book is a, at a slightly higher level. It's um, using like RPC calls to Bitcoin Core and things like that. And it's it's a good way to like sort of maybe build on top of it. But if you really want to know the core protocol, and that's what I teach, that that's what my book is for. And it's, it's done much more in a stepwise fashion. Uh, one of the things that I think uh, a lot of people in Bitcoin struggle with or trying to get into Bitcoin technically get struggle with is knowing where to start. And, and I struggled with this when I first got in. It's okay. I, I don't understand what the heck this is. And in order to do, learn what that is, then you have to learn these five other things. And then you, to learn one of those five other things, you have to learn these four other things. So 
you you are led down to eventually like these crypto primitives that you have to kind of learn about and you don't and those are not really understandable unless you know some of the math so um i tried i i uh tried with the book to teach people in a way that makes progression like a lot easier because you don't you know it's it's more of a learning book versus a reference book and i think andreas isn't exactly a reference book but it's much more towards that category so that's how i would characterize the difference okay what does somebody need to know who wants to start learning programming bitcoin uh python that's it python yeah. okay and in your courses do you also teach them like the Like the, the other parts around, like uh, consensus and how proof of work works and stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's all in the book. And the book is largely based on my seminar, actually. And, uh, you know, the, I condensed it and expand, uh, well, I expanded a lot of the parts of it, but it, it's very similar in many ways. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's come to other stuff. Uh, I've read your Twitter tweets and mm -hmm. I found one uh, which said, The unexamined coin is not worth owning. Uh -huh. What do you mean by that? Uh, I well, I think people took it a different way than I meant, which is that like, if you're going to invest in an altcoin, you better have looked at all the code, you know, for the altcoin. An unexamined coin ah. is not worth owning. Uh, vast majority of people that own altcoins don't don't look at the code. So to me, it's it's gambling or it's trusting a third party or something else that you shouldn't be doing. Uh, I think what people were uh, thinking that it meant was that you know if it's if the coin's not fungible or something, then <laughs> yeah, but the, then you shouldn't yeah, own it. Yeah, yeah, that that that's not what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. Many people who I meet and mm -hmm. I talk with them about Bitcoin say to me, no, Bitcoin has failed because it's only a tool for speculation and I don't want to speculate. I don't know why, but mm -hmm. yeah, I don't want to speculate and it's not used for payments. Yeah, uh, and their their um, sort of demands of Bitcoin are, I think, a little unrealistic in this uh, stage of its development. You you're not going to have a new currency and it be used as like the unit of account and method of payment right away. That's um, I mean, currencies take a much longer time to evolve and so on. Uh, the, the thing that gets people is the method of payment thing, which, mm -hmm. uh, which, uh, which to me is idiotic. Um, there, there's a billion different ways to pay for something, right? There's Visa, MasterCard, Cash, and Venmo, PayPal, Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, WeChat, Octo, Octopus Card, M-Pesa, whatever. There, there's so many. And that's not where Bitcoin is competing. There's a lot of different methods of payment. And they can all, in any case, like just change the settlement layer later anyway. The thing that's difficult in today's society is finding a good store of value. They, uh, central banks make that very difficult because they believe that money needs to constantly be moving. And if you're storing value, it's parked somewhere. It's not moving anywhere. So... Um, You know, in that way, Bitcoin's not really competing against much. You're competing maybe against gold, stock and real estate to some degree, but neither of those are fungible. They require way more research. They're very, they have high transaction costs and you have to, you know, invest in large chunks and stuff. So 
um, Bitcoin is way, 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 way better than all of those uh, in the store of value realm. And that's, that's the first part. Now, is it going to get to be a method of payment? Absolutely. It will once enough people demand Bitcoin for their goods and services instead of anything else. Now, I'm not going to take your crappy USD, right? Like, that's what needs to happen in order to, uh, to get there. We're not near that yet. Very few people even know about it. So uh, from a monetary evolution perspective, it's going to take some time. What is some time? I mean, that could be a hundred years too, no? Uh, it could be, but uh, generally with these things, it's gradually then suddenly. Um, so, you know, like in the U.S., certainly it's going to take longer than everywhere else because the world is under a dollar hegemony. But you go to a place like Venezuela, <laughs> yeah, you bet they want Bitcoin instead. Uh, but, you know, in, in a sense, the dollar competes with Bitcoin pretty much everywhere else in the world. Um, you know, if you go to Iran, you can, it, you'll, you'll take payment in Bitcoin, but you also take payment in dollars. So at some point, you know, it, it, it'll be clear that Bitcoin's a much better asset to store your value in. Um, and at that point, merchants will demand Bitcoin instead of dollars. And that, that's really when the next stage of monetary evolution will happen. How long that'll take? It's hard to say. That's like trying to predict geopolitical war or something like that. There's a lot of factors that go in and we don't know what, uh, wh well, first of all, we don't know the current situation of the world really because so much of it is opaque and hidden from us. But, uh, but we also don't know what events will be happening. Like, If you have a had a banking crisis in Germany tomorrow, where you know, like the euro collapses, maybe maybe Bitcoin comes into prominence very uh, like in the next five years. If uh, you know, on the other hand, it, it might also take 20 years uh, for central banks to really inflate at that rate. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Before we continue, a short message from my longtime show supporters at Card Wallet. Thank you. We'll be back soon. Do you want to keep your Bitcoin safe long term? The Card Wallet is the best cold storage solution a retail customer can get. It's easy to use and completely offline. No hassles with updates, passwords or hacks. I gave one to friends as a wedding gift. They are Bitcoin newbies, but with the card wallet, even they can hold Bitcoin securely. And the best thing is, my friends at cardwallet.com made a special offer for all the listeners of my podcast. If you go to www.cardwallet.com forward slash Anita, you'll get 20% off the price. So go to www cardwallet.com forward slash Anita now and buy a card wallet with a 20% discount. What do you say about the energy consumption of Bitcoin? It's also an argument against Bitcoin. Yeah, so we addressed this in the little Bitcoin book um, significantly. Uh, but the energy consumption, at least to me, is is a part of the security. And if you don't have the security then it's it's not really scarce <laughs> and it's not really money so you you need the energy uh going in in order to make that work um now the people that complain are usually like thinking that it's like fossil fuels that fuel this stuff or you're taking away energy from like somebody's microwave or something to that effect that's not the case at all it's almost always excess capacity that's used for bitcoin and Uh, because of the economics of Bitcoin, every miner is incentivized to use the lowest 
most cost my uh, like electricity that they can find, and uh, that tends to be you know renewables or uh, you know ex- like you know burn off or or something like that that's not getting used in any case. So. Yeah, it's kind of a disingenuous argument, and I I think it'll it'll work itself out over time. But I, there's more power used in Christmas lights in the United States alone than Bitcoin in an entire year. So, and you also say we already have lots of easy money because that's the money that's like the fiat. Yeah, Is yeah. There, there's uh, the U.S. dollar and lots of altcoins, uh, which I I see as easy money as well. What's your vision for Bitcoin? I think, uh, yeah, I mean, for a world under sound money, you have a lot of people that are creating uh, goods and services that other people can use. This is how you build civilization. So I, the the scary question for me, um, when I read it, I think it was like around 2008, and I almost kind of believed it. It was, um, it was this. Uh, the, the thought was, what if... When in 1969, man landed on the moon, that was the peak of our civilization. And it's kind of a scary thought, right? Because it's like, well, yeah, what have we done since then? Okay, we have more entertainment, but that's not really progressing. We anything. have more consumerism. Uh, yeah, yeah. We have, we have like, uh, we have Facebook. Okay, that's not really progress per se, right? Um, and, and, and it is kind of a scary thought because I don't think any civilization thinks that it's on the decline when it is. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I, the, the thing about Bitcoin that, that's so exciting is that it brings a new frontier back and it, it makes, uh, you know, human civilization growing again. And that, that to me is a giant reversal of what's been happening over the last 50 years or so, uh, which, which has been like sort of a degeneration and, um, you know, uh, an inward focus, uh, that, that civilization as a whole has been having. And instead we're starting to look outward again. And, you know, there's, you know, projects to, you know, like I, I see a lot of Bitcoiners like thinking about Mars and, you know, colonizing Mars and, uh, you know, doing different things and making civilization better in every way, shape and form. So, That to me is, is my vision for Bitcoin, that we, we get on a trajectory of continually growing civilization and making it better. Yeah, growing. But I have to say, I don't understand this quest for Mars because I, <laughs> I would prefer to, to better living on Earth. Well, um, I mean, I, it, it's not an either or situation, <laughs> okay. right? Like it's, uh, you know, as you develop technology to go to Mars, Uh, you know, you, you benefit everything, uh, everything else that can benefit from that same tech. Also, we don't know what's on Mars that humans might want, right? Like, it's entirely possible that there are resources there that we haven't thought of that's really useful to humanity. And once we figure out what those things might be, uh, there's new, you know, creative things that people can come up with and entrepreneurs and, uh, inventors and, uh, you know, people that create stuff. Uh, you know, they, they have another whole thing to do. So like in a way, um, you know, one reinforces the other. As you improve your standard of, of living here, you, you have this, uh, ambition to make, uh, make, you know, colonize more stuff or expand the frontier or, uh, create more stuff. As you explore that other stuff, you, you make more discoveries that benefit you here too. So it's, They, they've always sort of gone hand in hand in human history. Like pushing the frontier makes 
life better wherever like this this was the whole argument behind you know in uh, you know the british colonization of the world was okay as you expand the frontier you make life better at home in many ways so but you make it worse for the people there well yeah well i mean <laughs> there's nobody in mars as far as we know that's true so, like in a in a way it's uh it's uh taking a bigger advantage of the environment that we're in. And, and, you know, this is part of the excitement around all of this is, you know, maybe we can do energy harvesting, uh, you know, like out in space or something like that as a result of trying to figure out how to get to Mars or something like that. And then you don't, you don't need to like dig for coal or whatever because you have solar you know, energy beaming down from in the atmosphere. I don't know, right? Like this, this is where speculation is kind of useless, but uh, like figuring out that there's, uh, there are new degrees of freedom in which human creativity can be expressed. It's, it's, that's never a bad thing. Yeah. You mentioned Facebook before. Mm -hmm. um, on the one hand, I would like to ask you, is Silicon Valley missing out on Bitcoin? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they there there's a very large contingent that thinks it's mainly a technology that it needs to be iterated on and changed and and things like that. They're totally getting it wrong because Bitcoin is money. Money is the main main feature and the reason why it's important or interesting. And uh, and as a result, a lot of Silicon Valley has invested in crap that doesn't make any sense uh, because they think it's somewhat how an improvement on Bitcoin or they're taking the technology called blockchain and using it for something. So it's, it's, it's an insane and ridiculous uh, premise and they're, they are definitely getting it wrong in that respect. That said, you know, I mean, a good number of them do understand that Bitcoin is money and that's the one proven use case. So they're taking sort of a semi-cautious approach, but yeah, they're, they're definitely getting some things wrong. What do you think about Libra? I, I think it's just another payment method of payment. Yeah, I mean, it, competing against all the other things that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Another surveillance method method for Facebook. Oh, that probably too. They don't really care about privacy, but yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think about digital nation state currencies? Uh, it's again fiat. <laughs> like yeah. these things are all kind of uninteresting because they're centralized. They you have a trusted third party, and that in itself is a security hole. Uh, but also a way for them to seize your wealth whenever you want. You're you're either sovereign over your own money or you're not. Any fiat currency, any centralized currency, anything that's got a center, you don't really own. You're not really sovereign, and that means that. It, th those things have consequences. They have the potential for inflation and so on. So it's, 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 it's not interesting to me. Hmm. What does Bitcoin need? Um, like, does it need more developers or other things? The biggest thing that it needs is time. Um, as, as it uh, lasts longer and longer, people tend to trust it more and more because, um, you know, it'll, it'll hit a lot of the... Um, you know, obstacles that only time can really reveal. Um, so as it lasts more, longer and longer, people will put more and more trust in it. There's no magic formula to getting uh, people to trust in something. You can force them at the end of a gun, but that's usually not appreciated by most people. So, um, yeah, I, Bitcoin just needs time. And I, I think a lot of the other pieces are in, uh, are in place already. So, yeah. Okay. So, Bitcoin won't die. 
I don't think so. I mean, I could be wrong, but yeah, I don't think so. We don't know. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're also one of the authors of the Little Bitcoin book. Mm -hmm. What is the Little Bitcoin book? I mean, it seems to be little, but yeah. small. <laughs> yeah, it's it's meant as a book for what I would call pre-coiners, people that haven't heard about Bitcoin or have heard of it, but don't own any. It's it's a it's a way for them to be introduced to the topic. And I what we think is a fresh way, which is that, You learn about money first, what the hell is wrong with the money today, and then you learn about Bitcoin and all of the benefits that it gives and all of the trade-offs that it makes. Um, and I, we, we think that by presenting it this way and showing how it affects people all around the world, that it, it makes the case in a way that isn't maybe super libertarian or something like that and much more from sort of a human rights perspective. Oh, yeah, that's great. Um Do you come around very much in uh, in different countries? Like, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I travel about once a month, uh, and you know, about half of those are in the U.S. Uh, the other half are international. Um, I think 2018, I hit. Uh, five continents. Uh, this year, I'll probably be hitting four, or something like that. But yeah, I mean. And are you are you educating developers also? Yeah, yeah, I, I still do that. Um, I mean, around the world. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Do you see is there a difference in the approach to Bitcoin in different co continents? I mean, I, I'm doing the one. I'm the one teaching, so it's it's uh, it, you. You'd have to ask uh, the people in those countries. Okay, they, I thought yeah. you might. Uh, yeah, I mean, mostly I teach the same material. So <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe you talk with the people there. I, I, I do, I do, but I, I mean, generally, like Bitcoiners are cut from sort of a special cloth and they're they're similar everywhere no matter what nationality gender or age or whatever and that that's the thing that i've noticed is you know i'll, I'll go to a bitcoin meetup in hong kong and you'll notice that you're all kind of interested in similar things because you're questioning everything uh, and same thing if you go to australia or you know eastern europe or wherever it's uh, south america it, it's everyone Uh, that's in Bitcoin, they, they're already down the same rabbit holes. Yeah, yeah I see that too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I also found a very nice uh, freeliner from you on Twitter. It says, mm -hmm. regret is thinking you're late. Yeah. Gratitude is thinking you're early. And it's still early to get Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people that uh, have a lot of regrets and everyone that, that's in bitcoin they they all have regrets right uh, why didn't i buy more when i first heard about it why did i sell why did i buy something with this bitcoin um there's a lot of regret uh and uh, the point of that tweet was okay you know most people regret when they think they're too late for something uh but let's face it we're really early And uh, when you think you're early to something, and this is uh, the perspective that my mom gave me, which was, um, and this is based on something uh, like 2013, I was telling all my friends and family, buy some Bitcoin, please just buy one, just, just something. And it was around $80. I was telling everybody I knew, just go buy some. Nobody listened to me, of course, except my mother-in-law. And she was like, okay, I trust you. Just can you can you buy this many? I was like, okay, I bought it for her. 
Um, and she's obviously very happy about it now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I was like, Mom, why didn't you buy? <laughs> like I, I told you, he's like, well, I didn't really know. But, you know, uh, you know, like you, you could have bought it $80. Now, now you're buying it like $10,000 or whatever. And, uh, and, and she was like, you know, like that, that's one way to look at it. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful that you knew about it. And that, you know, like, you know, despite not getting in super early, I, you know, that, that we know about it at all is like, I'm, I'm, I'm just very grateful about it. So I was like, yeah, that, that's the right perspective. Thanks, mom. Right. Like, cause there, there is this sense that, you know, a lot of people have envy over, you know, people that got in earlier than them and things like that. And that, that's like regret and, uh, you know, the bad side of you, like sort of talking. It, instead if instead you're thinking long term and have low time preference and sort of look back from the future and and see where you are now that's a much healthier way to think and if you if you are doing that then you'll have a lot more gratitude about what's going on right now which is that you have this opportunity to own this asset that very few people in the world own and uh that 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 have that has the potential to like make you lot of money <laughs> and preserve wealth in a way that no one uh in no one else in the world can really do so you know i that that's really the message is you know feel gratitude that you know about it now because there's a lot large population that maybe even know about it but are not buying and they're going to suffer a lot more regret than whatever regret you're doing now I find that very touching and moving. Thanks for these uh, words, because I think also regret is like living in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 gratitude is living now. Yeah, and uh, and you know, gratitude. If you're if you're somewhat living now and somewhat living in the future, it's gratitude that you have the opportunities that you have now because of where you want to go. So, um, in many ways, like uh, you know. Past is not something you can change. Present and future are definitely things you can change. And having gratitude and having that perspective, I think, is absolutely critical to uh, not not just your mental health, uh, but um, you know, see, seizing the opportunities that you're being given. Yeah, that's a great end. Thank you very much. <laughs> Where can people find and follow your work? Uh, Twitter, Jimmy Song. Uh, you know, Medium, Jimmy Song. GitHub, Jimmy Song. Uh, my website is programmingbitcoin.com. Um, I, I, you know, I also have a newsletter and a bunch of other things, which you can find out on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. Bye. All right. Bye. So thank you for listening. And please remember to check out the Bitbox O2 hardware wallets. Free shipping with the code Anita at shiftcrypto.ch. Two editions, both Swiss made including a Bitcoin only. What can I say? I'm a fan. And thanks also to Card Wallet and Salamantex. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. What did you think of the interview? Did it bring you greater understanding of Bitcoin and its people? If yes, and if you want to support my show, please subscribe to the podcast in your player, leave some stars and share, 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 share on social media. Feel free to contact me on Twitter, LinkedIn and YouTube or send me a voice message via the link on the episode page. Goodbye from Vienna. Auf Wiederhören. Music. Start with Yes. Delicate Beats. Idea, Content and Production. Yours truly, Anita Posch. <laughs>